Okay, so we're super excited to have with us on this show um, two of our favorite clients. Um, we don't we don't say that to anyone besides you guys, so don't listen to the other episodes. Uh, Steve Norrell and Lauren Lockpatten of Vocal Video. Um, so what we're going to do is just, they have a really cool um, story where their founding team worked at the previous startup, and maybe you guys can correct me, it may be more than one, but at least the previous one. And then through a need they found at that startup, started Vocal Video. Um, and we'll get into what vocal video is, but I'd love to start, um, Steve or Lauren with just telling that founding story from tech validate, what tech validate was and what you guys did. And then, and then we can transition into how you discovered this need for vocal video. And, and I want to get into start the, some of the dis dynamics of starting vocal video and how you guys made it different than tech validate. So. Could you tell us about Tech Validate and what you guys ended up doing with it? Vocal video is all about like getting the band back together. And so from Tech Validate and uh, in the case of Tech Validate, Tech Validate was a, a SaaS application, um, kind of a pioneer on this kind of uh, customer evidence, customer proof um, uh, SaaS for collecting uh, evidence that was sometimes anonymous, but also sometimes named from all these types of like large enterprise uh, tech companies and other business to business uh, companies. And so uh, we have all kind of, we're startup people. We all work together from, you know, like the early kind of 2010-ish timeframe. And um, as, as we've kind of talked about, we worked uh, on Tech Validate through, you know, uh, for eight years and then ultimately sold to SurveyMonkey. And that um, ultimately became this like journey that we wanted to recreate when we started Vocal Video. And so you can look at Vocal Video both as a um, opportunity of like getting the band back together, but uh, first and foremost, but then the second thing was we had done a lot of um, video testimonials. And since we very much um, believed in kind of customer evidence when we were at Tech Validate, we had produced these things, realized how difficult they were. And we had this kind of uh, gut reaction that we needed to be able to get more of these and get them more at scale. And so that was kind of the rationale for, for vocal video. Yeah, Let me just and I would say we you know we had done everything from me recording customers on an iPhone, trapping them at a conference, and then editing it ourselves, <laughs> uh, all the way to it. Survey Monkey, you know, we finally got the awesome video team there to work on a customer video for us. About you know a year and a half after I wanted a dozen videos, um, and made this beautiful video testimony. One client you know, probably spent about $25,000 and, you know, combined travel and expense and coordination and salaries. Um, and so we really saw this challenge of like, it's either super time consuming to get customer testimonials or they're way too expensive for the number that you actually need to go to market. So we thought, well, and Steve, this was, you know, the genesis of Steve's idea, but there's got to be somewhere in the middle where you can actually create the authentic videos you need to tell your brand story. Steve, I didn't, I didn't know something that I think you're alluding to, and I want to see if it's right. I thought it was the need for, oh, it's so hard to make customer testimonial videos that started it. But the way you phrased it, you said it was really first just wanting to do the next thing. Is that is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things. One was uh, this team wanted very much to work together again. We've, That's really we've cool. all worked yeah. together for the last now 10 to 15 years. And so, like, there's a lot of cohesion. There's a lot of com- camaraderie among that. And so that was kind of like the first principles when we were starting Vocal Video is that we all wanted to work together again. Um, but then when you're thinking about, like, what you're going to do, you need a tentpole. And the tentpole was this problem that Lauren's describing. We had uh, tried to create, and we did create lots of video testimonials for Tech Validate. And then even when uh, we were at SurveyMonkey, this issue, like to put a finer point on it, the story is literally we sent a videographer to Australia to to um, record and interview uh, this one customer that we wanted to get on video. They brought, like she came back, they did two to three weeks of video production on this thing. And I wow. got the bill for 25 K and it was a beautiful four minute video, but it was kind of like, there has to be a better way on this. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was like what resonated when it was like, we all want to work together. We've all seen this problem happen and let, let's go uh, kind of creatively try to solve it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, just the, you know, the other thing about vocal video that, you know, the, part of our origin story was that uh, I think that we all take for granted is that these customer testimonials really worked for us. They were the kinds of things our sales team really needed um, to convert buyers. Um, We'd seen them have high engagement on the website. There was, we knew that there was, that we, we knew intimately that demand and our, you know, our hypothesis was that that was not just something in B2B marketing that was needed, but really a much more horizontal market where lots of consumer brands need these kinds of things as well. And just so everyone else who's listening and watching knows, can you describe we, like this band that you brought back together? Who, who, so it involves you guys, and maybe you can describe what your roles are now. And if it was the same at Tech Validate, maybe we start with what were your guys' roles at the previous uh, company, and then who else is in we that you wanted to bring back together? Um, sure. So I'm Lauren. I started at, uh, you know, I started at Tech Validate and there were five out of three of the founding, um, you know, five, there were, sorry. So when I started Tech Validate, I started this first customer success slash marketing hire. I was number five to the company. Uh, and there were three of the folks who are now on the vocal video team there. So there was really uh, only a couple other guys <laughs> there that we, uh, they're off doing their own companies now. They're really great. Um, so, you know, Lauren, um, I'm still running customer success and doing uh, quite a lot of our marketing as well. Um, and that's my happy place is to be with my hands in many different parts of the the business. And yeah, Steve, do you want to introduce yourself? What you do? Yeah. So Steve Norell, uh, I was one of the co-founders of Tech Validate, um, and yeah, the band that I guess I referenced was uh, myself, uh, Lauren, who you know was the fifth hire, and uh, and then also my uh, two other co-founders are uh, kind of like the tent poles on the product and engineering team. So that was uh, John Wolf and Jordan McKibble, and so collectively. Um, vocal videos, like the, it's essentially like uh, four of the the five folks that started uh, Tech Validate um, are now you know part of Vocal Video and we're working together. So it's it's been um, it's been fun. It's a fun journey and it's like it's, it's a, a shared experience in that regard. Yeah. 
I would say also, I mean, you know, I've had the chance to see uh, a couple of different companies over the years and John and Jordan are just incredible. <laughs> like the productivity and uh, just insane creativity of these guys. And also their, I think what is really fun about the entire team now is that we're all very clearly looking at one, you know, the, the goal of growing the business and everything we do in the product, like we take a lot of customer, um, a lot of customer feedback into account, and it's all about like delivering these results for customers and growing the business. And it's just like the lowest drama, easy <laughs> thing that you don't have to spend any of your time like with the usual kind of stuff that like yeah. know, corporate stuff. You get to work <laughs> together. So yeah. I I think you know it's just like I I wanted the chance to work with Steve again, but also just to um, work with John and Jordan who are uh, unreal in their productivity. I've seen much uh, their output rival much, much bigger engineering teams and design teams. And engineering and product wise, is it still just them or it's expanded now for vocal video? Um, no, it's, it's just them. I mean, wow. we're, we're still a relatively small team. We're a five person uh, organization and then, uh, and you know, one of the founding, we had a, a number of founding principles. One was uh, we wanted to be a hundred percent remote work uh, organization from the beginning. Uh, that doesn't sound very radical now, but we started this before COVID. Right. Uh, same. So was, same with us. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It, it's, it, it was kind of a somewhat of a radical notion back then. Um, not yeah. so much anymore. So that was principle one. Uh, obviously, principle two, we wanted to work together, but um, we also um, come at this from a from a principles perspective is that a small team can beat a large team, uh, a small, cohesive, uh, well thought, you know, well, where with each person complements the other can beat a large team. And we've seen this throughout our career. Uh, so that was another key principle that we kind of was part of our kind of founding DNA. Um, I'd why, say that, why? Because of like nimbleness versus just uh, the bureaucracy and slowness of a big team? Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's twofold. Um, I, I agree that it's the uh, agile, agile nice, the nimbleness, um, the ability to pivot quickly. But I think it's also, um, you know, in software, there's the whole mythical man month. And so, like, the more people you add, the more coordination that that creates. And that also uh, creates a tax on your, your ability to, to deliver and execute. Wait, sorry. Um, what's the mythical man month? Might oh, it's this, uh, sorry. So, in... In computer science, there there's this guy that wrote this book called The Mythical Man Month, um, and it's all about these huge software projects that uh, would yeah. always not be delivered on budget or on time. And yeah. it's it's basically a, uh, I mean, it's probably a little dated now, but uh, it's it's still kind of like the exact uh, reason why like large uh, software projects can oftentimes fail or just miss completely. Uh, and I'll add, I'll add two things, you know, that we're just kind of knowing ourselves. Like we all, everybody on the founding team knew they wanted to do work. We'd been, we'd had the experience of managing big teams, but we were much happier actually having time to like do the, the work ourselves. Um, and with this time around, we've relied, um, this has been a huge success for us on the marketing side, relying on folks like Grow and Convert for the content marketing rather than hiring in-house for content marketing. Yeah. We have a great guy on um, who manages our paid ad spend 
as an independent contractor. Um, and then we've also done some link building with an outside agency. So I think, you know, a big learning for me was to be able to leverage the expertise of, um, of these outside partners rather than um, really being focused on like growing the team. And that's, that's a big thing that I saw at SurveyMonkey. Like it was like really important to have your, your big team and be hiring all the time. Um, and I, what I've seen here is that you can just get uh, so much value without the overhead of managing people day to day and their lives and their messy emotions, <laughs> but also, yeah. also just uh, a much better uh, uh, quality of output for, uh, you know, so, something you'd have to pay a really senior person a lot for in-house. Yeah. I mean, Lauren, if you want to hear about our lives and messy emotions on our regular calls, like we're happy, Benji's happy to share that. <laughs> I'm low on corporate drama. Yeah, we can yeah. bring in drama for you. We will happily do that. <laughs> uh, I left SurveyMonkey and there was a little hole for me. And I had to, my, my husband was that I could get some corporate drama for him. Now he has his own small company. We just have, we've got nothing. <laughs> oh no. Go ahead, Benji. Uh, I just wanted to continue down this path because I'm really curious what lessons you took from Tech Validate that you decided to approach differently at Vocal Video. So when you started this company, how did you approach things differently just from your learnings previously? Yeah, I mean, it's, it starts with the type of organization and company we wanted to build. Um, in the case of Tech Validate, um, we had uh, created uh, effectively a, an amazing product and a great kind of uh, sales culture and sales machine there. Um, we were uh, in the tech validated world, we were early on the kind of outbound prospecting and, um, uh, and outbound sales, which now has kind of become very standard uh, in the industry. Uh, we were, we built one of the, as opposed to what? What were people doing back then? Just for, yeah, growth? I wouldn't have thought that that's early at all. I thought people were doing that from the beginning of time. It's interesting. I mean, there was a second wave that was kind of starting to hit in that kind of uh, late 20 uh, or uh, around 2010, which was all brought on by um, this guy, Aaron Ross, who had started at Salesforce and built an outbound prospecting team. And he had this whole notion of the sales machine, which is what we patterned a lot of our outbound prospecting on. Um, this was before all the tooling that now exists um, with Outreach.io and, uh, and Gong and all these things yep. that uh, just didn't exist back there. So you had to actually kind of cobble together a whole process for doing this uh, this kind of um, multi-touch uh, sequencing for, for prospecting. I mean, it used to be uh, cold calling 1.0 was like, hey, give me a, a phone directory and I'll just start dialing for dollars. <laughs> um, we weren't doing it that way, but we had a very sophisticated way for both um, finding, uh, finding contacts and then, uh, and then, and reaching out in creative ways to uh, ultimately generate demand. The point being is that Tech Valley was completely different uh, go to market mo motion than what we did with vocal video, which is we leaned very heavily. We, we said when we started vocal video, we made the idea that we wanted, uh, essentially a product led growth, uh, type of motion where people could, um, the product was built from day one to um, be approachable, that you could sign up for it and get value pretty much instantly without any kind of high touch. 
Why? Yeah, why? I'm curious just why you didn't go the same route that you had gone previously yeah. with the outbound sales. Uh, well, you, you want to keep it, uh, you want to keep it different. So like, I, I like new challenges, number one, okay. but I think the, the other thing, uh, that's true was, um, in, in my personal case, uh, I had spent when we sold to survey monkey over the course of the, my time at survey monkey, I ended up inheriting and, uh, managing the kind of self-service business at survey monkey. And so this was a product-led growth business that was doing at the time 250 million, 300 million in uh, revenue. So it was a product-led growth business at scale. Um, and I really got to see how that, how a type of that business really operates. Uh, I think it's very different to when you're founding one of those businesses to go from zero to that level of scale. There's a lot of learning yeah. along the way. Um, but you really saw the power of that model. And so that was one of the kind of founding principles as well is like, we wanted to build a product led growth business. We wanted it to be largely, if not a hundred percent self-serve. Uh, we didn't want to be dependent on any one single customer. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that's true for sales led businesses is that, you know, especially in the, from an enterprise perspective, we were closing 80% of our quarter in the last three weeks of the, of the quarter. Yep. Uh, yeah, always. Yeah. Uh, it is a very stressful business to be in, especially when you're trying to deliver that number. Um, and a lot of, you have to land a lot of planes at the end of the quarter. And so we said, Hey, let's build a, um, uh, you know, if you can have a lot more customers at a lot smaller dollar amount, uh, and they and those planes land just kind of constantly throughout the the quarter or the month, uh, that's a better uh, kind of nice run rate, sustainable business. And so that was also kind of a clear thing that we wanted to do differently from tech validate to vocal video. Yeah. And I, I think one of the, you know, one of the things that it gets back to as well is that we really wanted to keep the team small and be able to scale this into a big business. And at Tech Validate, we were always dependent on hiring more. You can only scale a salesperson so much, even with all the whole uh, set of tools that have come out in the last uh, 10 years, like that, oh, there's yeah. always a breaking point. And the same was true on the customer success side. We had a very high touch uh, customer success model. And it was like, you know, at a certain point, you'd have to hire another CSM to keep managing your accounts. And so both on the acquisition of customer side, the onboarding and, um, you know, and the customer support model, we have everything we're thinking about in terms of things that people can uh, consume self-serve and actually get up and running within a couple minutes with the product. Remind me, were you guys funded previously at Tech Validate? No, so th that's also you know, we we bootstrap tech validate. Oh, you did. Um, yeah, so uh, bootstrap tech validate for for eight years before acquisition by SurveyMonkey. Um, Vocal Video is also bootstrapped. So I mean, we're big believers, and that that's another kind of principle of the company is is just investing in profitable growth. So um, I've had experience at you know kind of venture back startups private equity based, uh, organizations, um, our, our DNA is to, you know, like 
we want to we want our customers to fund our growth and then that that's a great kind of alignment with how we want to you know build and grow the business why i'd love to dig in there it is 100% aligned with benji and i's philosophy but i'm curious your reasoning for that like a sales led enterprise saas business in the san francisco yeah. bay area I, I in the like 2000s that's... i'm i'm speaking of tech validate not vocal yeah. video and you don't take VC money. I mean, I don't know the statistics on that, but that seems rare. Yeah, which I feel is like great. you're at a disadvantage just just pure money wise. Yeah, we're, we're contrarians. Balls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I mean, your your point is absolutely well taken. It's like uh, we were a, a contrarian back then by um, building this whole outbound prospecting model. What I mean, basically. We we did it on a shoestring in kind of Silicon Valley, uh, and yeah. and so it was zigging while most people in the valley were doing uh, you know zagging. And um, but why there has to be another reason besides being contrarian? Was it just not like I, for me? I'll say just to kick things off, the VC thing is like I I don't know how to say this less crassly, but I enjoy not having a, a boss or a board to report to. I enjoy not having like some completely arbitrary growth target that if you grow X amount, but the growth target was X plus 5%, it's bad. Like I, the, to me, that's absurd. And, yeah. and then some of it is just lifestyle. And I'm hearing in a lot of your answers, it sounds like a lot of the principles in which you founded vocal video, or maybe even back to tech validate were like around lifestyle guiding some things. And I know that that word where we are, San Francisco Bay area and in tech hubs, it almost sounds like an, it's like an insult. Oh, they have a lifestyle business. How cute. Like, yeah. we were just race series A, you know? And you're like, well, we have a business, aka it makes money, as opposed to you have a company that spends money. <laughs> right? Or, so, or like, one, I think one thing I'll. Uh, it is just owning the business, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Having the faith that this business is, you know, you're building equity in it over time and you don't have to or want to sell off a bunch of it right, right at the yeah. start. So, you know, there's. And there's certainly, I think the lifestyle part is well taken. I've also been inside venture backed companies and it's a way higher blood pressure to get yeah, to that yeah. stone or die. Whereas if you're, you're a profitable business, you can invest back in the company and it's just very like a lot more straightforward rather than getting on the treadmill. But I think part of it is just having, uh, you know, a real strong faith that this is, you know, this is a business that's going to work and make money and have, uh, you know, that it's, it's worth owning, owning all of it rather than selling off a lot of it just from the very beginning. Uh, I, mean, I would just say that, like, I agree with everything you articulated about wanting to be your own boss, uh, having the agency to, to create and build value for yourself and your family. Um, and then also, um, the arbitrary, uh, growth targets. Um, yeah. The other thing I would add on at least technology and frankly, uh, is a little bit of um, it's not so much vocal video, but for technology, um, when we started it, when we started technology, it was probably about the worst timing you could have as an entrepreneur. We started it at the end of 2007. And okay. so about <laughs> months uh, in the, you know, the entire financial system uh, melted down. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, so we've been discussing this as a choice. This wasn't a choice. You just there was no funding to be had. <laughs> and we decided to just keep running right through the concrete wall is one way of thinking about it. Or you could say, hey, you know, um, you know, people were at back then were worried about, you know, living under freeway underpasses, underpasses and eating cat food because they thought the world was ending. Yeah. Um, we just decided to just kind of keep on, yeah. um, you know, keeping on and just build it brick by brick. I mean, no one was going to give us venture funding in 2008 yeah. and 2009. Yeah. If you're already eating cat food, that's not a good threat, right? You're like, hey, I'm already bootstrapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we weren't eating uh, cat food yet, <laughs> but it was it was definitely a threat. Well, well, well one thing I, w I wanted to bring up to you, just having worked for a few years in venture back companies, was one like one thing that you said earlier on kind of resonated with me was just the the small team strategic growth, mm -hmm. and that's that's one thing that I've noticed is very different between bootstrap companies versus venture back companies. Venture back companies, I feel like they're throwing money at a problem versus because they have it instead of figuring out how to solve the problems and then using the money to fuel the growth. I'm curious just if you have thoughts on that. And then I kind of want to transition that into like how you, how you guys thought about marketing this business and growing this business from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, my thoughts on the, the VC model is like, you have to know if you're joining a VC back company, you know, that, um, a good, uh, you know, I mean, you have to know the power laws of VC funding. And basically, if you're joining a VC fund uh, company, uh, most of most of those companies are going to fail. And that's part of that's built into the model. Um, and so it's all about just, uh, you know, as one of my mentors said to me, so it's all about like going, going big or going uh, or going home. It's all about like trying to grab the brass ring. And if you fail, you leave a big smoking crater. Um, and so it's very like in a finance, uh, you know, model, it's a very high beta type of um, opportunity. Uh, it's also, if you're trying, if you're staking your career on that, it attracts a certain level of uh, mercenaries where people just go from one to another. And if one doesn't hit, they, they you know, just trying to, basically punch their own lottery ticket. And, you know, that's not really our mindset. Our mindset is, uh, you know, really more aligned with building something that's sustainable and durable, and that has a lot of innate value for our customers. And then if our customers are su successful, then we can continue to build the, the business up brick by brick. This is so fascinating. I mean, I'm glad we're doing this because we had never stopped and talked to you guys about I don't know we, what we call this business philosophy like this before. I promise we're not trying to butter you guys up. Why, why do we need to? We've been working for like two years together, but um, <laughs> that's very, that's very aligned with what we're doing um, and, and our philosophy in terms of, as Benji said, we have the freedom because we're not owned by anyone because we don't have any arbitrary goals or PE firm, blah, blah, blah to, slowly solve the core root of the problem as opposed to just like throw money at it or what have you. And we then have the, also the freedom or what I think is the most common sense thing, which is if you build a business with linear growth, that's not a failure. No. That's just a normal business, <laughs> but it's only in this VC, like 
you know, fishbowl lens that that's somehow bad. And if you're not a unicorn, you failed. Uh, and and I, I think what we saw, like when you're in it and it seems like things are going to grow forever, like, you know, the last not, uh, you know, which has started, you know, with all these layoffs, it's kind of the, you yeah. see, you know, it's like the, some, you know, it's just like, uh, I think, you know, there's tons of people where it's like, this can't ever go down. But what you see when you're just uh, have you, you in VC companies, you have to spend that money, you know, like, there's no yeah. like, there's yeah. no like, oh, I'm gonna like grow slowly, like your board is like, more like growth at yeah, all. Grow faster. Like, yeah, grow faster. <laughs> why haven't you hit your hiring targets? And yeah. And on our side, we have seen that. And I don't want to insult any of our funded clients, but we've seen that in very clearly in that it is way harder to work with VC funded clients. Hmm. I mean, to a point where we know in our internal, like we don't have an official because we get to control everything. We don't have an official like client criteria, but we have a very unofficial one where we discuss. And we just absolutely know that our best personas, the clients that stay with us forever are self-owned. We're not VCs. VC funded. Yeah. They're just switching things so fast. Everything is they have moving. super unrealistic expectations. So your growth goals around content are just crazy, and it makes no sense. And and oftentimes they haven't done it themselves before, so yeah. they're getting some mandate from the board to do this initiative, and, and they it's like, be HubSpot. Yeah, be exactly. That yeah. Company, and that should yeah. eat them. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I mean, it's I'm, very people will not become a media company. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly. It's very antithetical to how SEO works with the, the natural cadence of SEO where you have to wait for things to rank. Um, and that's a good transition to now marketing. So Tech Validate grew with the sales team. And I should mention Benji and I back in the day, that's where we got, met you guys. We actually went into the Tech Validate office because back then we didn't have an agency. We thought we were building like a corporate training, marketing training <laughs> organization. <laughs> um, and then eventually most people didn't do what Laura did, Lauren did uh, in terms of hiring us for training. They just said, well, we don't want to train it. We don't have anyone for you to train. Can you just do this for us? Can you just hire us? But, and I saw that like the floor of a lot of these salespeople, um, and then you go to vocal video where it sounds like you make a conscious effort of saying rule, not even effort. We're not going to have a sales team. This is going to be product led growth, self-serve. The users will come in and sign up. Obviously, and we can talk about it in a second. We have worked with you guys on building the SEO or organic side of that. And we know from all of our conversations, you guys have done paid. Walk us back historically to the beginning of how you began to grapple with the marketing channel, like initial, initial starting point in growth. Like what were you thinking about once you had some product? So that's a really, and Steve, you kind of alluded to this. That's a really hard, like mental space to be in for a lot of entrepreneurs. They have a product and it just feels like this impossible thing where it's like, well, to succeed at these marketing channels, you need momentum. I have no momentum. So then it's like this, well, how am I going to, it. Yeah. How'd you start thinking about channels and testing? Well, so I think, um, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to the, this, like, and this is not my um, framework, but, um, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of people talk about like product market fit, right? Like, do you have product market fit? And this becomes this like huge umbrella term. And I think there's a lot more nuance to that. Um, when, 
you know, and so like I, I oftentimes, and this is by no means my uh, invention, but uh, I kind of look at the Reforge model. Uh, they have a kind of a more nuanced approach where they're like, there's a market product fit. There's also product channel fit. And then there's also like, does your product fit with your business model or monetization model? And does that also map to the market? And yep. if you think about all those dimensions, like you kind of move through those choices when you're an entrepreneur just launching your first uh, company or your your first product. Um, and I think we went through those transitions as well, which was when after we launched, we felt like we had had we had some kind of weak product market fit. We knew our, our customers, they were buying it maybe not as um, aggressively we wanted, but we needed to then start to ramp up uh, demand. And so- Those initial uh, customers, how did you get those? So um, we did a, and this is probably a, a longer discussion of like how we did this, but um, it, it was a combination of Rolodex. We also did a um, kind of a, a long wait list while we were developing the uh, product and built that up uh, through some viral mechanics. And that allowed us to onboard as different parts of the product came online, uh, new kind of cohorts of users uh, to kind of determine whether we were building the right thing. And then eventually at the end, we just onboarded the whole wait list and we, we launched and then began uh, monetizing. So yeah, uh, I mean, put everybody into a free trial um, mm. see at that, at that point. And and then, you know, at some point there was the communication, like, if you want to keep using this, then, then you have to pay. <laughs> what was that Delta between first launching and you have a few Rolodex free people to then like opening it up to everyone on the wait list? What do you mean in terms of Time. How, how long it took us to do yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it took us longer than we probably wanted to. I think we had a very <laughs> ambitious uh, product vision. Um, you know, so for example, to validate from launch to first customer ship was something on the order of six to seven months. Uh, here for vocal video, we were more, um, first monetization was more kind of like in the 12, 14 month time range. Um, but we had, uh, and so to mitigate that uh, problem of not getting enough customer feedback, we still had customers on the product um, probably at six months. So we were getting lots of customer learnings. We just weren't monetizing until that kind of 12, 14 months. So those were just the Rolodex contacts. They were using it for free. At, at first, it was started with Rolodex. And then we started uh, selectively picking out uh, customers off our wait list and onboarding them. And the criteria was largely like, are these people... But since the product wasn't fully baked at that point, it yeah. was like, well, are, are these people people we can work with? And we were doing a much more of a high-touch model at that point because we still hadn't built the full um, uh, product-led growth onboarding um, uh, bits of the product. Wow, 12 to 14 months between launching the product and getting the first dollar of revenue from the first customer? For bootstrap business. Yeah. That's some patience. I mean, it was the same with us. Ours took 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. So I together mean, it was a lot faster yeah. on, that, uh, on that front. Um, 
but uh, this one was a more uh, ambitious product vision, I think. And, and, and tell me if this is not something you want to discuss or disclose, but were you guys just not paying yourselves at that point? Or were you, was there some pool of money from the tech validate sale that you were just using to like drip salary to each other? Or for 12 to 14 months, a lot of people would be like, well, or, or I guess maybe many bootstrap stories are that happens while the yeah. founders have a different job or whatever. Yeah. And I, th I think this is the, the benefit of, you know, coming off a second or third exit. Yeah. Um, it, it makes it a little easier. Like I'm not yeah. trying to um, uh, lie in that in the regard, like the, yeah. the need to monetize quickly. We felt that much more um, probably for tech validate. And uh, you know, if you like, you either have to, you, you either bridge that gap of one way is either get in market really quickly and sell yeah. or you pre-sell the, the product or you do some consulting to kind of pay the bills while, while you're building the product. Um, yeah. Each way is, is viable. Um, we were, we're fortunate that we had a long runway. And I think, you know, the, the lesson for anybody starting a business is you need to have staying power, however you do it. Yeah. Because uh, these things have much longer uh, runways to getting to not only first revenue, but then profitability than you yeah. probably anticipate on the front end. Yeah. We were the third category, which is consulting on the side while we grew our thing. Okay. So then back to marketing channels. So you open it up. There's some customers. Walk me through kind of the reasoning or, or maybe even what led to reaching out to us from the SEO side or the content side and then how you guys started paid or whichever one came first. Yeah. Well, we did a lot of banging our head against the wall with paid <laughs> ads. <laughs> um, and I think so we had, you know, kind of these three acquisition channels that we still think are really important. There's the paid uh, paid advertising. There's content marketing and SEO that we still really believe in. And then also this word of mouth kind of product, you know, product led growth. And we, those were, you know, those were our hypotheses, but then it's taking those hypotheses and uh, executing on them. So yeah. uh, on the why, content, why that channel mix before we get into like how it works now? Well, you know, for, uh, I think for the paid, the paid advertising, our guess was this is a way to kind of jumpstart the cold start problem, right? To get our get our name in front of people. Paid, we had never had any success with paid search at Technology because no one was searching for what we could think of to call our company. It was this totally new mm. category. But what we found over the last couple of years is people are really looking for video testimonials. They're looking for ways to solve this problem. And so, you know, particularly on the paid search side, you can you can bring them that data. Um, on the content marketing side, like, you know, it's it's the dream to have leads or new customers, your customer, you know, cost of acquisition. If you do it right, it gets lower over time. And so we, you know, we always had as a goal that that would become a larger and larger part of our mix as we uh, as we develop more content. Um, and then, the you know, on the product led, we have some intrinsic virality built into the platform, right? And we get a lot of customers who go through, see some of the vocal video branding on our um, our lower tier plans and go sign up for a sign up for a free subscription themselves to check it check it out and those folks convert and then also uh, on our free plan now there's a watermark in the video so you can see oh this was produced with vocal video I'm gonna go check that out but um, 
Yeah, I mean, paid search, the banging your head against the wall. What, just to be clear to everyone, you guys manage that yourselves, right? There's no agency. We started out managing it ourselves and realized that like, there's huge learning curves on just like each channel has its own, you know, particulars. And, um, and that's when I think we, we eventually through probably six months of, as Lauren said, banging our heads against the wall while we decided to ultimately find someone who was an expert in these channels and have them run it for us. And so the lesson was probably like, you know, find find an expert <laughs> earlier. And, and, I, and I think, find, you know, for us, like finding that expert who, you know, the his retainer is way less than you would pay an in-house person. Um, mm-hmm. His expertise is much higher than you could afford to get as a as an early company. Like, um, you know, that, that was one thing, you know, he, the, the guy we found, uh, is working, you know, he's, he's an integral part of the team as well. Yeah. So just, to, just going back on one of the questions you asked, which was like, why did we have that kind of, um, three, you know, three pillars of our demand strategy, um, at the beginning, some of that was informed at seeing like a business like survey monkey at scale. So, you know, what, one of the things I know for seeing a, you know, PLG led business was that 80% of, um, you know, traffic signups, et cetera, for SurveyMonkey was coming through organic, um, that's crazy. You know, it's one of the oldest sites on the internet. It has some of the best domain authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so you see the power of that, how that compounds and granted, it's an older business. It's been around for 20 plus years now, but that compounding happens and uh, it can be very powerful. Now that 20%, which was kind of driven off paid spend and paid marketing, they were spending uh, at that time, the, the paid marketing team that was reporting to me was spending 18 million a year, I think. So it's not like that that was a insignificant cost, but that's how a business of, a very large size of, you know, dri- driving three, you know, 300 million in top line, that's how it starts to look. And so you start to try to, you know, as a, a founder starting off, you want to reverse engineer that. And ma- and then I think that's frankly what led us um, early on to you guys, which was we realized that investing in content, investing in SEO was going to be a, a long game. And so, um, but we had seen kind of it pay off from the SurveyMonkey perspective. And so that was why we, we that was why it was one of the, the pillars that we, we kind of started the company around. And that must be why you guys didn't say no or walk away. Now, my memory is really bad. So all three of you were also in these conversations, so you can correct me. But my memory is that, we had, you know, worked with you guys at Tech Validate in this like corporate training thing. So we had that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you came and said, Hey, we're trying this new thing. What do you think? And we, we open Ahrefs like we do for any prospect. And we're like, Oh, domain rating nine or something. You Wasn't it like that? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Domain rating NA. <laughs> no. And, uh, and we were like, uh, you guys, like, this is going to take a long time to see results. And that was our big fear. We were just like, are they going to last? Like, our biggest issue is 
this is not our biggest issue. That's a totally exaggerated comment. But like one big thing <laughs> is just the patience of clients. Like we're very confident in our process because it's very straightforward. Like identify keywords where there's buying intent, rank for them. Like that's not complicated, right? Um, it turns out it's not normal, which is nice for us because we have a niche because most people are just ranking for random stuff. And that's kind of a total waste of SEO spend. So we're confident in it, but not all clients are. And so there's sometimes just like this ticking clock of like, well, we've spent this much, it's four months in, it's five months in. And you're just like, trust me, like we've seen this curve before, just stick with it. And that was our big concern with you guys. We're like domain rating NA, like it's going to take forever. And I think we said like 12 months, blah, blah, blah. Now it turns out and you three can give your opinion on this as well. It turns out we got results way faster than any of us were expecting. Some of that, I think, may have been the nature of your product, that it's public facing and people are embedding these videos on. I don't know if there were like, wasn't there natural links from that or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And so that helps a lot. Um, but I'm curious, whatever you can remember or reveal about your discussions after our first conversation on your side, were you guys just like, as you said, Steve, like, screw it. Like we're investing for the long game or, or was it secretly like, ah, eh, we're going to give them six months. I, well, I was, um, I, I remembered <laughs> that it, 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 there was a question mark, whether you were going to even accept us. As yeah. Well. Yeah. That, because that, we that's... thought like, we're just going to, you know, bang our hands against the wall or, or we're going to start. Yeah. It's going to take forever and they're going to be dissatisfied. Well, right. I, the, the history is we've, we've worked with companies that have, that were kind of same situation, like just kind of launched have a really low domain rating. And then I think when it gets into it, they just don't have the patience. So they'll churn after three or six months and getting the domain rating up is, is it the first challenge and then it's getting the things to rank. And so, yeah, that I think we had just come off of working with a couple companies like that, where we were starting to question whether this was the best customer for us. And so when you came to us, I feel like what gave us confidence was you've, sold multiple companies before you've built multiple companies before. So you already had the experience running a business and working in some of these channels before. And I think that made us feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Or, or from a sales perspective, we were not in your ICP. Correct. Correct. No, yeah. you were, you, you, you actually <laughs> pattern matched to some aspects of our anti ICP, but <laughs> Yeah. Going back to the beginning of our conversation, I think the difference, Benji, is a lot of those were funded companies. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And so it maybe that true. they, you know, we were frustrated at their timeline, but, you know, God bless them. They were probably getting pressure from their investors, you know, and so that just passed through to us. Yeah. So it goes back to we, we wanted to go, you know, we would love Fast. to. I think, we, I think we understood. And we had actually, you know, we'd done a little bit of content creation already. We'd written sort of these more, you know, more in that like vintage HubSpot model. These were top of the funnel articles where we're like, nobody's reading these. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. So I think that the, uh, and we, you know, we knew from working with you in the past, like I just, you know, I had the impression I was like, these guys are smart. They're not just trying to get you to rank for whatever. These are folks like on the team that care about getting uh, qualified customers into the funnel, the folks that will actually become paid customers. And so I think part of it was, you know, there was a little bit, we'd, we'd taken a stab at it and there, it was just like the content was going nowhere. And part of that, you know, is 
Now, now some of that content ranks and some of it works, but it, it needed a lot of time. And, you know, similarly to doing paid search, ebooks were had a strategy of building links and promoting the content that could kind of get it, get it uh, ranking faster than we knew how to do at that point. So I think that's, um, and just, you know, the extension of having a team of writers uh, to, to write the stuff, you know, we, we spent a lot of time ourselves writing that content, it would, you know, it take a very significant amount of time for us to produce the small yeah. number of assets that we made. And we uh, calculated that we were, it, our time was better spent uh, doing other things. Yeah. I'm curious, what do you think the difference was? And that's, and this is maybe where we can um, have the rest of the conversation and then close is like, I'm curious, just your perspective on our um, engagement in terms of like, it has taught a lot of, to us. I mean, you work 26 months, I counted right before um, we got on this. Um, you learn a lot, you know, and then starting with this low domain rating, you learn a lot. Um, so we have our learnings from it, but I'm curious on your side, Lauren, we could start maybe with just where you were saying you guys had already done some content. Mm -hmm. What what are differences and things that just our engagement has taught you guys about SEO, if anything? If your answer is nothing, you guys have taught nothing. That's totally acceptable. <laughs> we just want honesty. <laughs> a couple of things that surprised me, right? Like, so you know, we had written two terms that actually had some search, or you know, had some. Uh, there were there were people looking for these things, more top of the funnel assets that we figured like this might attract a bigger pool, and some of these people might turn into clients, right? And I, I think yeah. that is really in the more uh, the the kind of content marketing that was popular. 10, you know, five, 10 years ago where like everyone was vying to be HubSpot and then they got to that model, you know, they tried to do that and they're like, oh wait, we actually need an entire team of people. It, to it's so popular. It could be five to 10 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> no one will ever become HubSpot, right? Like, especially not a five person company <laughs> starting right. a business. Yeah. Um, so I think what, you know, what I learned that's been really interesting is that, you know, it's, it's like there's, there's a real process to this and the, we are not thinking about someone coming to check our blog to like, you know, they're not coming to our blog like the New York Times. We are doing a sprinkling of bottom of the funnel assets that speak to speak to different segments of our customers. And it's that, that very, very specific search uh, where a person is very light, there's very high intent for each of these blogs. And, the, sh the shocking thing to me is like some of these blogs are very similar. There's uh, we actually just had uh, some customer feedback where they read one of your blogs and there's, you know, this kind of like how to guide to vocal video in a lot of the, the yeah. content that you're creating. And they were like, this was super valuable. <laughs> and for me, like if I were writing every article, I would be looking to create a very unique thing, yeah. you know, like a unique diamond, every article. Right. Where it's like, I, I would be imagining that someone would be reading every single piece of content on our blog. And that's just totally wrong. Like, that's just not, that's not even our goal. Right. We want to yeah. get the kind of content that is this high intent um, content out there. So that's, that's been one of the surprising uh, things for me. And I think the learning that has been like really fun and interesting is how our paid search can work together with, uh, with the content we're creating, where we get that very quick, quick way to test where whether there is demand for something before we get on board with investing in the long, you know, the long um, time frame uh, approach to content marketing. 
I just, I like, can't even believe that how amazingly good user testing is with I agree. search. It is just the coolest thing. And I think, you know, you folks immediately were like, took that, took that on board and made that collaboration so valuable. Yes. Um, give me all the AdWords data. <laughs> yeah. Just like, no, uh, I mean, ju just for everyone listening, what Lauren you're referring to is that often in our calls, when we're thinking of new keywords to go after from an SEO perspective, um, now it's become like rhythm because we know this, but at the beginning it was like, well, what's working on the paid side? You'd say, yeah. well, this is working. That's not working. This is, and then we'd say, well, if that's working really well, let's attack it from SEO and basically get free clicks for that keyword. Yeah. And, and as you guys were testing different use cases for the product and trying to expand the Google ads really informed whether it was going to be good for us to create content around some of those keywords or not. Super, um, super interesting. Yeah. I mean, and, and this may be a little bit of, um, uh, orthogonal, but like one of the ways, one of the evolutions for us on, on the paid search and paid marketing is that like, we're not only buying, you know, potential customers and signups, but, um, we're also buying data and that data informs not only, you know, what you guys are writing and, and, and our content, um, efforts, but it also, helps us, you know, kind of tighten or quicken the loop on product feedback to see where, where we're falling down or what use cases aren't fully resonating and where we, where we need to do some work. So I think that's, uh, that's been kind of a nice, um, virtuous cycle that we've, we've got kind of going across the, the variety of the, the kind of the channels and the, and the team here. Yeah, I actually feel like that's somewhat unique to you guys. I actually haven't found too many companies that yeah. think of think of Google Ads that way, where they're using it to like create a landing page, test out a specific use case, run ads against it, and and see if you can expand verticals or expand into different use cases. I, I found that's pretty forward thinking, and it really does help us on our side just know where to focus and what works. And I'm sure just from a product perspective, it really helps inform features and how you're going to position the product and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because, you know, as a, you know, as an early company, you can go out to your friends and family or your friendly early customers and ask them if they like the idea of something. But actually, you know, from, you know, from the product development side, like we can go out and test something that's a bit of a stretch for us. You know, uh, like, you know, and like understanding we, we've made a big push into being um, a company that can work with international customers, but we were able to test whether there was a demand in international markets before we did things like uh, work on the ability to localize video mm. collection, add different subtitles, all of this stuff that, you know, took engineering resources and design resources to do. But we had, we had gotten validation from people uh, that actually ended up becoming paying customers, even though we were like a full English only operation at the very beginning. Um, we've gotten validation that that was, there was a demand there. Um, Lauren, one thing you said, I wanted to ask about this bottom of the funnel that you had written these top of the funnel posts before you worked with us was the idea of using content or blog posts to go after these very, as you're saying, repetitive bottom of the funnel, high buying intent terms. Was that even in consideration on your radar. And I ask that because for a lot of companies we talk to, they think of that as stuff that only the marketing site can or should rank for. Like anything that has blah, blah, blah software for their niche, they're like, no, that's for my homepage or my like product specific feature page. 
And then blog content is all what you're calling, Lauren, like HubSpot, top of the funnel type content. They think of it in these buckets and we have to kind of shift that. And I'm curious whether that was true for you or not. Well, it's hard for me to remember back then. I mean, the thing is, before we <laughs> begged to work with you, we, <laughs> That's not true. Content and we were trying to do it, right? Yeah. But that we were, I'd say, the thing is that we were, so I think we were very much bought into this idea of the bottom of the funnel yeah. uh, content creation, but we were only two people with a like a big day job trying to work on that. And so yeah. the yeah. X, you know, where we fell, why, you know, why you're, business is successful like we were we were really like it's kind of hard <laughs> to do it and when you're yeah. doing it for the first time yeah uh, and you haven't seen all the patterns um you know that you folks have seen across the the customer so i think i think we already you know we would re we would read the articles you, you guys are like giving away your strategy all, all yeah. over your website um but i think you know where the connecting the dots between believing that and then being able to execute that yeah, yeah, in a yeah. in a programmatic way where it's happening all the time that you're building this um, big base of content to go after all these different uh, use cases and keywords. Um, yeah. so we, we were uh, falling flat. Yeah. Well, this is an awesome story. It is awesome working with you guys and watching and being a part of this growth um, from domain rating not existent <laughs> domain rating error uh to to now what are we at dr benji you memorized everyone's dr i don't know like 40 plus i would say yeah 40 plus wow you're 60 now we're at 60 now <laughs> yeah and just uh, kidding seeing all the rankings so yeah. we're excited to keep going and, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us yeah well you know it's been a it's been a total pleasure and i still you know gotten the chance to work with other marketing agencies and you folks are, you know, one of the reasons we came to work with you is just like the absolute no BS agency um, with, with, you know, real, we feel real alignment in our goals working together. We're going to splice the video style and just play it on loop on our homepage of Lauren saying that would just put a headline. The no BS, no BS agency. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Got it. <laughs> That's your marketing tagline for the next year. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. No, thanks. I, I do yeah. want to second what Lauren said, and I, I re we really appreciate you guys being on the journey with us, and we, we look at it as a journey. And you know, you guys have been huge partners in terms of both you know moving our thinking forward, but also helping us grow grow the business. And so that that's really meaningful for us. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I feel like the learnings have just been as great on our side, just yeah. as it has been on yours. Um, a lot of surprising things that, I don't know, it, it gives us the ability to test different things that maybe, I don't know, you, you challenge us on a lot of the phone calls too. And so come in, like keywords that you might not have thought would be good end up working or different pieces and all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting to to learn on our end as well. And I should say for everyone, Steve is the single best Google Data Studio expert client we have ever worked with. <laughs> he has the entire all business metrics in the most like neatly <laughs> color coded Data Studio dashboards I have ever seen. <laughs> It'll be like, actually, if we look at this month and this channel, it's 35. <laughs> it's really good. Well, uh, I, I mean, I, I've learned, uh, <laughs> frankly, I learned that data is a weapon. Um, and that's also yeah. another lesson from SurveyMonkey is like all of these, you know, hypothesis testing experiments that we're running, whether it's on a channel or a marketing campaign or in the product, like 
we then have that data and then as long as you can interpret it and 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 you know apply kind of a creative lens it helps you kind of figure out where the where the pockets are you know to drive the business yeah yeah that's a great point and i like pretty graphs <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks so much guys we really appreciate it thanks.